Welcome to another edition of the Milwaukee Admirals podcast. Uh, I am your temporary host, lead host, Charlie Larson. Aaron Sims is out this week. So first of all, first off, let me apologize for having to hear me much more than you normally would. Uh, if you need to turn your radios or your radios, your uh, devices down a little bit because you don't like my high-pitched voice, I understand. But we are privileged to have the first, the original inaugural guest of the Admirals podcast. Episode one was with John Greenberg, team president. And uh, many people thought that you were the first guest only because Aaron and I were sucking up to you because you were the president. But that wasn't true. Uh, we were sucking up for sure, but we were also, uh, you have the, the most fantastic Gary Gaetti, Kent Herbeck story in the world. And I told you we weren't going to talk about this, but I had to bring it up. Uh, welcome to the podcast for the second time, Admirals President John Greenberg. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, uh, for those who want to hear that story, you'll have to go back to listen to episode one all over again, because uh, I've been told I'm not allowed to tell that story again. Uh, well, it, it, let's just say that it involves one of my favorite topics, flatulence. Uh, <laughs> so please go back and do that. And what's, you know, I guess the podcast we've been, uh, this is about episode 44 or 45. Uh, and Aaron and I have really enjoyed doing these. We got off to a bit of an inauspicious start in that first one. If you'll recall, we did the whole podcast. We talked for an hour. It was fantastic. And then we realized we, we, we stuck the stick back into the computer to listen to it, and there was nothing on it. And you were gracious enough. You were gracious enough up to a, a lot more time for it to basically go back through the whole thing. Uh, so, you, you know, hopefully things go better this time. Yeah, and you guys got to hear uh, different versions of the same story. <laughs> Which I think that's what PR is, right? That's what public yeah, relations is? Absolutely. Yeah. So thanks for having me. Uh, oh, no, it, it, it's certainly my pleasure. Uh, I don't want to say you're not the first repeat guest because we have had Carl Taylor on twice. As you should. Um, as, as we, he's the, he demanded it, actually. He's, if I'm reigning AHL coach of the year, no, he did not say that, of course. No. Uh, so let's just start off. Uh, I know a lot of fans are, are, are interested to hear sort of from the horse's mouth, uh, if that's what you are. Or the uh, other end. Yeah, yes, I, I didn't want to say that. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what, where, where are we right now with the AHL season and return to play and all that good stuff? Well, we're about in the same place we were the last time we talked about it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, as this uh, uh, virus has continued to uh, uh, not go away, uh, it has certainly made it much more difficult for all sports really, uh, to find ways to, to work, uh, properly. Uh, and those of us without massive television contracts, uh, you know, certainly continue to find, uh, paths that we can take to try and be able to play. Uh, right now we're all kind of just, uh, you know, waiting for some direction. We have a return to play committee, uh, that has been put together in the American hockey league that includes, uh, six members of NHL clubs, including David Poyle. David Poyle, right. Yep. From, from uh, uh, Nashville. And then there are also six representatives of uh, teams in our league. Um, so they're working together and meeting uh, somewhat regularly to go over all the different issues that uh, are out there that are not only just about playing, but, you know, testing, uh, 
uh, about uh, uh, salaries for players. There's just a, there are a lot of different topics, a lot of moving parts. Border travel, right? Like we've there's yeah. three teams with NHL and AHL affiliates in different countries. Right? How would how yeah. could that work? And there's also um, you know you know the, the teams that are just in Canada are going to have to probably play against each other. Uh, the teams that are in Canada with players that are on, on uh, clubs that are based in America, so your Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, um, you know, they may want to have their players up there. So what happens in those markets? Um, so it really is um, a difficult situation. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we really want to be able to play and have fans in seats. Um, it's important to us it's important to us for more than just the financial reason. From a bit, right. More than just a business perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's important that uh, our customers see our product and we want to have it in front of people. So it's, it's very important that we uh, find a path to be able to do this. And that may take a little more time than originally planned. Um, you know, the league put uh, uh, forth December 4th, uh, no earlier than December 4th. And, I th- and that's still true. That's <laughs> yeah, still true. Um, I think that'll change over the next uh, uh, couple of weeks, uh, maybe even as early as this week. We shall see. But we will likely be pushing into 2021. Um, teams have talked about being able to play as many games as possible. So it may go a little longer um, in order to, uh, to get that in. But, you know, the NHL is also talking about going a little bit longer. I think ideally we don't all want to go so long that uh, this becomes a regular thing we want to the point where this is uh, a one-year blip um, in terms of a start time so that we can get back to some semblance of normalcy for 21-22. Is there, have you heard any thoughts about, you know, creating sort of pods, cohorts as they would call them, like in schools where, you know, Milwaukee plays Chicago, Grand Rapids, Rockford, Iowa, I don't know, something along those lines. We've heard that discussion in the NHL. Is there any thought to that in the AHL? Or is that just one of many scenarios that has sort of been bandied about? Well, that's certainly one of many scenarios. The problem in our league is that we've got some outpost teams. So, you know, the Texas Stars, um, you know, are in our division. So are the Manitoba Moose. Now, the, the Manitoba problem, I think, is more easily uh, solved by just playing Canadian teams. The Texas is not easily solved. There is nobody geographically close to them, especially with the loss of San Antonio, uh, that, you know, they need to be able to play somebody. So, you know, in Iowa, while in our division, you know, that's that's a lot of travel getting back and forth from there. You really don't want to get on an airplane uh, to go and play them. And, you know, if we go there and play three games uh, in a row just to be able to get the games in, that's something that's certainly being discussed. Uh, but also, uh, you know, those teams that are in the Pacific Division, if they end up losing a couple of teams um, that have to go up and play in Canada for some reason, just because those players need to be closer to the Canadian teams, um, you know, that's going to cause other issues there. Uh, Tucson, uh, Colorado, Charlotte, you know, all outposts. Henderson. Yeah, Henderson. Excuse me. I mean, Henderson, I think uh, – you know, with Ontario and uh, San Diego might be able to pull that off. But, uh, um, you know, it's there are a lot of moving parts. And, uh, you know, we don't have unlimited budgets within the American Hockey League. We're going to require some assistance from the NHL. And that's one of the things that's also being discussed with how we're going to pull this off. Because 
right now there are, you know, 18 or 19 teams that are owned by their NHL. And, um, you know, they'll find ways to make things work, we assume, and the teams that aren't like us uh, and Syracuse and Chicago and Grand Rapids and several others, uh, we need to find a way to, you know, make this work so that all of our teams are able to compete and find a way to stay afloat before we can get back to normal. Right, for sure. So, yeah, uh, I think a lot of people, especially a lot of Admiral fans, had their eyebrows raised a little bit when the uh, Wisconsin Center District, who is in charge of Panther Arena, where we play, um, basically came out with their budget and said no events until fall of 21, 20 of 2021. But that really, if you actually read the article, you'll realize that wasn't that wasn't the uh, what was going on here? If you would, you want to, can you explain what, what sort of happened there? Yeah, that's, uh, that's guilt by headline. Um, right. you know, we want to have, uh, uh, I used to be with, with the Milwaukee journal and, you know, you could write a story and somebody could slap a headline on it. That doesn't really, uh, if that's all you read is a headline, you're not getting this true story. So you really right. need to read that whole story but to understand that what they're doing was an extremely smart business, uh, maneuver for them they budgeted to not have games right not gonna have games but they smartly budgeted so that they could uh, uh say well let's just assume that there are no games and this is the revenue that we would generate from this they haven't gotten that guidance from us uh they haven't gotten that guidance from uh uwm uh from right. basketball uh, they did however get that guidance from the wave that they wouldn't be playing so you know we um you know, when the, when it's time to come for us to play, we're basically, as I always like to use the analogy of uh, baking a cake, you know, your budget's your cake. And then we're the frosting if uh, uh, we come back and play. We're revenue that they weren't budgeting for and that will allow them to make some extra money. But if we don't play, they at least are operating under a, the budget that they had set forth. Yeah, it's plan for the worst, hope for the best, uh, if you will. Yes, for sure. Uh, and, and just to, and then let's further clarify, it's not the building. There is no, the building has not said to us, you can only have 250 people at a game or whatever. That That's coming not from the building, but that's a directive from the Milwaukee uh, Health Commission, right? That is correct. The Milwaukee Health Department is the one that is right now putting all of the uh, protocols out there for every business. Um, for Right, not... Yes. For not just for uh, sports franchises, you know, we're uh, we're under that same uh, uh, plan, and you know, until this virus gets uh, knocked down and we're able to, you know, get back to you know, getting more green lights on the health department's uh, dashboard, uh, things aren't going to change, and so we all have to work together to to do the things that we have to do. But we, you know, playing in front of two hundred. 50 people isn't, doesn't mean you can have 250 fans at your game, right. 250 people in the building. Well, when you take out two teams and you take out the officials and you take out the building staff and all those types of things, you're really down to probably about 125 people that could actually come and see the game. So, um, you know, 250 is not a uh, fans in the building number. That is a uh, uh, total amount of people in the building. So if you go back to our garage sale that we did at the end of, right. Uh, I was going to mention that for sure. To end of September, we were working under those numbers. And so that's why we couldn't have more than 230 people on the floor. Cause when you took out our employees and the building staff that were here, 
uh, which a total of about 20 people, that's when we needed to, you know, keep an eye on the number of people we had out there. So that's how that works. And uh, in order for that number to go up, we need these, uh, these virus numbers to change. To go down, right, yeah. for sure. And there's plans. I mean, there's contingency plans at least being thought of, started, if, if maybe capacity says, they say 50% capacity and how, you know, how seating might look and things like that. Like, is that being talked about? It is being talked about, and uh, we've actually been working on that with the building and with Ticketmaster for months. Um, they actually have uh, seating manifests that are built for this. Um, uh, the building was already starting to work on those things, and then we certainly sat down and talked with them about it so that, um, let's say it's 25%, let's say it's 50%, um, how those buildings would look and how, you know, what kind of seating arrangements we could make for people. And we hope we get to the point where we have to use them. Right, for sure. And and that's, this is not a problem for Ticketmaster that's isolated here, obviously. There's Ticketmaster buildings all over the country. Most buildings are Ticketmaster buildings. So they have significant experience doing this. And I'm sure they're doing it right now for the NFL uh, and for, I would imagine, maybe even Major League Baseball, the World Series that's, uh, that's happening at this point. Yeah, for sure. And uh, college football. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is a little different looking at a college football game where they allow fans. Um, sometimes you see fans all kind of bunched up and sometimes you, it's really strange and I'm not sure, quite sure how that works. Uh, but it, you can easily see um, a lot of other sporting events where they're allowing fans, the distancing that goes with uh, where people are sitting and how that works. And that's clearly a, a ticket master and a ticketing system uh, thing. And then it's just a matter of the people who are sitting in those seats and actually following the rules and <laughs> sitting yeah. where, they're where they're supposed to be sitting. And yeah, for sure, for sure. There's, you know, one league that has said that they're going to start playing is the ECHL. Uh, how closely, you know, uh, is there, uh, are, is the AHL following what they're doing? Obviously very closely. And, have you heard whether, you know, let's just say a guy like Brandon Fortunato played the majority of his season in the ECHL last year. Uh, what are the, will he, would he be able to, he's in an NHL contract though. Would he be able to go, I think he's on an NHL contract. Uh, would someone who's on an NHL contract be able to go down and play in the ECHL when they start amongst those teams? Well, that's being negotiated right now. It's actually part of the return to play committee's uh, charges to how those guys that are, um, on AHL deals um, or NHL deals that might have a split contract might be able to uh, do that. So I haven't heard of any resolution uh, to that as of yet, but uh, it is something that's being discussed and uh, they're doing a kind of a, uh, a two phase uh, start down there in the ECHL. Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, starting, it's a little bit strange if you ask yeah, me. But. Some of the league is starting in December and some of the league is starting in January and um, Atlanta, I know, or uh, Gwinnett decided they didn't want to play, uh, so they're out. So it's a little bit of a, you know, what can you do type of a situation in a lot of the places. Uh, our team down in uh, Florida, you know, in, in uh, Fort Myers is, uh, I think that's where it's, Fort Myers, is that right? In Fort Myers, Naples, Fort Myers area, yeah. Yeah, so they're they're good to go, and uh, Harris Tur, our owner, uh, is actually down there now. Not he's not trying out or anything like that, but he's <laughs> uh, he's down in that area, and uh, I'm sure if there's a hockey game that he can go and uh, check out, that he will while he's there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit. This is uh, 
we just finished up 50th season of Admirals Hockey. Uh, it was also uh, your fifth. Was that your? Was this your 15th season as team president? Correct. Right? Yep. 15th season as team president. So just talk a little bit uh, about you know what what do you remember about the 50th season? Um, and obviously, you know, we, we were, we were a great team on the ice and that, but like be a little bit more specific besides, you know, b- besides that, tell us what, what, what are some takeaways, some good memories that you have from this past season? Well, certainly I think for me, it was just awesome watching a year long campaign kind of roll out and, uh, all the different pieces that went to that, you know, outside of the actual game, um, you know, going back all the way to the kickoff event that we did a little over a year ago uh, on the floor of the arena and brought back all those players and unveiled the 50th season logo and just how joyful that was to have a lot of those players back together and watching the the original admirals kind of interact with uh, the more current guys was a really cool experience for me. And I I really enjoyed uh, watching how that took place. And then throughout the season, having these players come back, um, you know, and be part of things that we were doing it, it made me realize that that's something that we should be doing um, moving forward. It's not just the 50th season. Now it's over um, right. thing. This is, you know, we, we missed out. Um, you know, we stopped playing right before. Uh, we were supposed to have a big reunion. Yeah. Uh, Dale Yakachuk, who everybody wanted to see was scheduled to come back and, I know when Mike Wojciechowski uh, called to tell him that he, he wasn't coming, that he was actually really disappointed that he yeah. wasn't. So, um, you know, that's something that we'll, we'll continue to do moving forward because I, I think we realized how special that was for a lot of people to, to do and how special it was for those players to back, come back and be part of the things we were doing. So I think that was a huge thing for me. Uh, I think, you know, wearing all those jerseys through the course of the year, that's not nor- something we would normally do is have that many. Um, you know, we might have two or three specialty jerseys, but it seemed like every time I turned around, we were wearing something different. <laughs> uh, you know, and the last one that we were supposed to wear, the refrigerator jersey, yeah. another one that weekend that we stopped playing, um, and then the refrigerator jersey that we were supposed to wear uh, in April, um, really miss seeing our guys wear that. So, Eventually, whenever we start playing again, that is going to be worn. We will wear those jerseys, right? We will wear those jerseys, and uh, it'll be fun. And uh, uh, I was amazed by the uh, amount of those jerseys that we sold uh, when we kind of put them out there, and you know, replicas that people could could buy. And uh, you know, it's really going to be cool to see people wearing something we haven't worn yet. We've never worn, yeah, right. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, you know, and the creativity that went with uh, with making that jersey uh, with you know Dan Simon, who did our uniforms, uh, you know, award-winning uh, uniforms that we currently wear, uh, coming up with that really fun refrigerator design uh, was just a you know a neat thing and all part of that special year. So I think you know there was just a lot of neat stuff. I think the 50th year book that uh, you did such a great job with is. Uh, uh, a great keepsake for people to be able to kind of always refer back to it. You know, it's a, it's almost like a coffee table book, so to speak. Uh, right. But about coffee uh, tables. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, you know, just all the kind of things that went on through the course of the year that uh, uh, were outside of the game, I mean, you know, and the fact that the team was so awesome was just a great benefit uh, to be a part of that 50th season. 
Yeah, it was. And I, I, I w- I'll just, I, I want to comment on a couple of things that you said. One of them was that event that we did in July, and this is really a credit to Admiral's fans, uh, almost every, all of the people that we had brought back, especially the older ones, were shocked at how many people were there because they never got to really experience that, right? They played at Wilson Park, semi-pro team, uh, and here we have, you know, a thousand or more people there waiting in line to get autographs. You know, all those guys' hands were very sore at the end of the <laughs> night, and, and the line was taking a long time because these guys aren't, you know, our guys now are used to signing autographs, and they can get through them pretty quick. Uh, I know that's a pet peeve of Aaron's, that he does not care for the, sometimes the signatures that are illegible. But Tony Scazafe, he wrote every signature as if he was signing his, uh, you know, uh, if he was buying a new house and when you have to close on a house and you have to sign uh, 87 times. Uh, <laughs> he was, uh, he took his time and it was, uh, and it was really neat. And those guys, they really appreciated that. Uh, and, you know, like you said, all those guys that came back throughout the year, they, they look fondly uh, on their time in Milwaukee. And sometimes we take that for granted. And sometimes when they're here, they take it for granted, like not for granted, like they don't appreciate it, but it's like, it's what they expect. And so then when your career is over and you can come back and there's still fans that were around and, and the Dale Yakachuk story, I mean, geez, he was so excited to be back here, like really excited to be back and see some of his uh, former teammates and how many fans do we have? That were still were that were around when he was playing. It's uh, it's pretty it's it's pretty remarkable. So there was obviously a lot to be a lot of exciting stuff that we did during the 50th season uh, that should be celebrated and commended. And uh, you know we'll look forward to celebrating our uh, 55th or 60th or 65th or you know whatever the next big one is. Uh, uh, I'm not sure, but we'll I celebrate it. I hope I'm here for it. So, yeah. for, so uh, we got our 50 and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> Back and finish off the 50th. You know, that'll be the thing is if we don't start our season till March 11th or March 12th, we'll just pick right up where we left off. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> It'll, can we just get the same and uh, make everything the same, right? Who, who is, uh, were we having Scotty McCreary? Is that uh, who it was? Uh, uh, well, we were waiting for, uh, for, for, uh, Ario? I think it was Ario that weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then the McCreary was coming a couple of weeks later. Yep. And uh, yeah, we were sold out and ready to go. So that's all we got to figure it. Right. Right. And, and, you know, to John Bitter's disappointment, great disappointment, uh, the Docksiders were not able to perform as well. Uh, right. Docksiders was the Yacht Rock uh, band, and John Bitter was all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think he said, and I'm not positive if this is the case or not, you'll have to ask him. He is not cutting his hair until we have a Yacht Rock performance after a game. Yeah, I got to go back into the employee manual and check on that because uh, if anybody's seen John Bitter lately, uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. A lot, a lot of hair. A lot of, a lot of hair. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, so the uh, – um, uh, you worked for, before joining the Admirals, you worked in for the Brewers for many years, starting out as a bat boy. Uh, and so, and then going up to the PR director. So you, right now is the World Series. First of all, who are you cheering for in the World Series? And if you say the Dodgers, I'm going to call you a front runner. Uh, no, that's not true. 
who are you cheering for in the World Series? And then how, what you used to have to work World Series as a PR guy, you would have to go there and handle some media. So talk about, you know, sort of your uh, experience doing that over the years. Sure. Well, I'm cheering for Tampa um, only because they're just really fun to watch. I, I don't know that, I mean, what happened during uh, at the end of game uh, four was one of the most ludicrous things that I've ever seen in a baseball game. Right. Uh, you know, and you've uh, seen a lot of baseball games. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of ludicrous. I was just going to say probably a lot of ludicrousness. That's a <laughs> yes. word. Most of it was not very good. Uh, <laughs> to be able to uh, uh, just sit and just enjoy watching that baseball game, it was just so much fun. And uh, uh, Tampa Bay really, the way they play is just a lot of fun. I mean, game five, they tried to steal home. I mean, who does that? You right. Know? Uh, I wish the guy would have been safe. But uh, – um, it was uh, uh, a lot of fun to watch. And I mean, obviously they're the underdog and everybody likes to cheer for the underdog. Um, you know, they're, they have this much smaller payroll and the Dodgers uh, beat the Brewers. So, you know, I've never been really in that whole, uh, uh, I want the team that beat us to win the championship because they, they were the best. And yeah. So um, I, I've never really thought of it like that. And, you know, I think there's uh, likable teams and, teams that aren't so likable and uh, Tampa Bay is very likable. So being able to watch them has been fun. And I hope that uh, uh, they'll be able to, you know, push it to game seven and there's nothing like game sevens in sports. So to be able to get to that point would be really, really cool. Uh, did you ever work a game seven in a world series? <laughs> I did not. I did not. I was always there for uh, the middle games. So how that worked was when you worked for a team, if you were a PR director or assistant PR director, you would be called by the league office to come and help um, because the league office, you know, has a limited staff uh, and the teams are supposed to only, the teams that are playing are only supposed to be focusing on their own teams. So, you know, when you get to a world series and there was hundreds and hundreds of media people uh, working these games that they needed extra help. So, uh, you know, you would hop on a plane and whether it was the world series or the league championship series um, you know, there were really cool events to be part of. I mean, I, I did, uh, I, I did more league championships than I did world series. Uh, you know, the one world series I remember vividly was, uh, uh, Braves twins, uh, the first time in uh, 87, 87. Yep. And, uh, was it 87? I gotta think about that for a minute. I couldn't have been 87. I just, uh, I was only an intern. 91 would have been the, uh, yeah, it was 91 and I was working in Atlanta, um, during that series. And my responsibility was to handle the auxiliary press box out in right field. And, um, while the games were fun and, you know, it was, it was neat being there. The, the thing I remember the most about that was walking through the stands hours or through the concourse hours and hours before the game was going to start. It's probably four or five hours before the game was going to start. And I was with uh, a guy named Steve Rausch and Steve was the uh, assistant director, PR director for the twins. And, um, you know, Beth then the Brewers and the twins were friendly rivals and uh, the PR guys had great relationships with each other. We had a lot of fun and uh, uh, we're walking through the concourse and all of a sudden coming at us were uh, Ted Turner and Jane Fonda. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally uh, 
Steve and I walk in one way and Ted and Jane walk in the other way and uh, no security of any kind, no nothing. And uh, we walk in, all of a sudden we hear Ted tell Jane, hold on, honey, I got to take a leak. And he goes <laughs> right into, into the men's restroom at Fulton County Stadium. And uh, Jane is just standing there by herself. <laughs> so we were just, we didn't start stop to have a conversation. We just kind of kept going and got around the corner and started laughing hysterically. <laughs> so <laughs> it was quite the, quite the experience. Ted was, uh, Ted is a very, uh, ig- what's the right word? Uh, I wouldn't say exotic. That's not the right word, but uh, he, he's uh, out there. And yeah. uh, obviously extraordinarily successful and, you know, but uh, yeah. short guy, isn't he? He's a short guy too, isn't he? Not overly. Uh, not no. overly. no, he's probably about my height. So okay. yeah, I'm a short guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that was uh, a great experience at the World Series. And uh, to be able to be there for World Series games is always a lot of fun. I never had the privilege of uh, having a Brewers World Series. I was at the World Series in 1982 as a fan um, for those games. And you know, that was an awesome experience, which I'll never forget. But uh, actually working was was fun. And working league championship series were fun, too, because then you were just working with guys from your own league. Uh, had a, uh, I was there for at Yankee Stadium, uh, Yankees Orioles, when Jeffrey uh, Mayer reached over the fence in right field and uh, robbed the home run. Right. Um, uh we're sitting there and all of a sudden we get a tap on the shoulder uh, from Phyllis marriage, who was the vice president of PR for the uh, American league, you know, beloved uh, figure in baseball. And she taps us on the shoulder to say, come on, come on guys, we got to go out there. And uh, so here we are walking through the stands at Yankee stadium. <laughs> Terrifying to me. <laughs> we get all the way out there and, you know, people are yelling and screaming and going crazy. The media is trying to get out there to talk to this kid and, it was uh, it was it was really intense, but we managed to get the kid out there and uh, get the kid out of out of the way and you know get someplace quiet so that he wasn't being accosted anymore. Um, but uh, you know, walking through Yankee Stadium after something like that is crazy. Uh, how does that compare to the uh, Randall Simon? Randall Simon is that? <laughs> Simon. Yeah. yeah. Is that how does that compare to the Randall Simon incident? First of all, uh, well, let's set up what. Tell us what the Randall Simon incident was. Sure. Yeah. Well, the Brewers were playing the Pirates at uh, Miller Park, and uh, uh, the sausage race is uh, doing its normal as it does. Yep. And all of a sudden, uh, out of the Pirates dugout came Randall Simon with a bat and he takes a swing and hits one of the sausages <laughs> one falls down and another one falls down over the top of, of that one and and you know they managed to get up and like finish running the race we're all like looking at him like oh, what the hell just happened <laughs> about you know we're you know trying to figure this out and, and the next thing you know the phone's ringing because the media is calling trying to go like you know, what just happened out there and all of a sudden, I turn around and there's two Milwaukee County sheriffs standing behind me in the press box. And I, I'm like, well, what, what's up, gentlemen? And they're like, uh, do you have a representative here for the Pittsburgh Pirates? And so I looked over and Dan Hart was their uh, PR representative on their trip. And I said, hey, yeah, Danny, I said, uh, the boys are going to see you. 
<laughs> I mean, like, what? He comes over and he's like, uh, yeah, we need to go down. We'd like to, uh, we need to uh, put Mr. Uh, put that uh, player in custody for assault. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, 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 what happened? So sure enough, you know, they go down and pull Randall Simon off the, off the dugout and off he goes. And uh, the next day, like we had met with the, the two uh, people that were in the sausage race. It was two college uh, kids, college kids who were doing it. And um, one was an actual like athlete, college athlete. Um, and she had had surgery on her knee at some point, And like, she was the one who fell um, and kind of took the brunt of it. Right. The other one, um, she, uh, she didn't really get hurt but she wanted all the publicity. So we ended up, uh, you know, we met with these two and the girl who, you know, one girl didn't want anything to do with it. She was fine. She just wanted it to go away. Um, and then the other one, and I wish I could remember their names. I think I, I don't want to guess at their names cause I, I get them wrong, but um, the one who decided that she. Uh, and this is pretty cool. Yeah. And we had told them specifically any media request had to come through me and there was no, we didn't want them doing anything with this. I mean, there's now a police investigation and everything else going on with this. And I get a call the next morning at uh, three o'clock in the morning and I pick up my phone and, you know, it, cause when you're a PR person, you can't turn your phone off. Right. So the phone rings and you get a call and they're like, uh, I uh, just want to let you know that uh, our daughter, it was the parents saying, our daughter's going to be doing an interview with the, uh, with Good Morning America. And uh, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so I said, okay, what's your address? So I like literally like threw on some clothes and they live probably 15 minutes from me. And I get over there and sure enough, all the lights are out there. They're ready to go. And, and I, I went up and I told the parents, I said, we specifically told you that. Don't do this. And yeah. uh, they're like, well, she deserves to get the good attention for doing this. I was like, well, okay. Yeah. I strongly disagree with you. And I don't know that this is going to help her down the road. Right. Um, was it George Stephanopoulos? <laughs> it was not. Oh. It, was, it, was, it was Michael a, Strahan. He was probably playing football still. Yeah. It was a reasonably prominent person, but I can't remember which reporter it was back then. Cokie Roberts? <laughs> no. That's Cokie Robbins, nor Sam Donaldson. Oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, next thing we knew, uh, the island of uh, Curacao, which was where Randall Simon was from, uh, is contacting this girl to get her a free trip to Curacao <laughs> to show them how f- that par- you know, family people in Curacao are not like this. We don't hit people with bats. and uh, <laughs> Even people who are dressed like sausages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, Randall, I, I, if I, I'd have to go back and do a little research exactly how that all played itself out, but I'll never forget the sheriff standing behind me in the press box saying, uh, excuse me, I'm like, oh, can I do for you, gentlemen? Right. How many times in your baseball career did you turn around and the sheriff was standing there without any reason other yeah. than to see what was going on in the game? Yeah, that was the only time. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so, right? Yes, so... So yeah, lots of good baseball stories. You know that there was one other league championship series, uh, uh, Cleveland playing Baltimore, 
and uh, game ends and uh, Drew Olson, uh, who's uh, at that time was writing for the uh, Milwaukee Journal uh, covering the Brewers, but then and, did postseason games. And f- also former beat writer of the Admirals, as a matter yeah, of fact. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Um, we decided after the game was over that we'd go out and have a beer. And uh, so there's this area in Cleveland called the Flats. And um, kind of like Water Street in Milwaukee um, on a crazy night. And so a lot of people out there. And there's this bar called The Basement. Uh, so we go to, the, go to this bar and uh, you get to the bar, the bar. The basement is, there is a bar in the basement, but it's actually an entire building. Like there was a bar on every floor. Uh, right. Building. It's like four stories high. And so we go up to the roof and it's crazy up there. And so all of a sudden we see like a bunch of people kind of milling back and forth and we realize there's a fight going on. So we're like, okay, let's get out of here. And we go down a couple more floors and we see this guy dancing with a pillar. (laughs) He clearly had been overserved. Well, after closer examination, we realized it was Gary Miller from ESPN who was dancing with a pillar. <laughs> but sure. was the pillar attractive? <laughs> to Gary, it was, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one of the downfalls of this bar was that they had very limited uh, uh, restroom facilities. And so uh, we, we leave and we're done. All of a sudden, you know, we, we see Gary... Uh, standing in a window and he's now uh, decides he's going to urinate out the window and he's on like the second floor. <laughs> Much to Gary's uh, trouble, uh, there was a officer standing right that <laughs> he happened to be urinating a pod. So <laughs> the next day, uh, Gary was relieved Don't pun- Oh, hey, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, of, his, uh, of his broadcasting duties. And very, I don't know that we've really seen much of Gary Miller ever since. So uh, you were a witness to history there. Uh, yeah, like that, that is a very famous story. Yeah, I, I'm grateful that I wasn't that close. So. Yes, <laughs> right, for sure. Crazy, night, crazy nights during the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And if I'm not mistaken, that world, that 87 or 91 World Series, that did go seven games, even though you didn't work it. Because I think Frank Viola had, or I think Jack it was Viola. That was, okay. Jack, Jack, that was Morris. Jack Morris, thank you. Had thrown like a, threw a shutout in the, uh, in game seven or something like that. Yeah. I know that because my father, my wife is from Minnesota. So my father-in-law has uh, all of the VHS tapes recorded of all those games from 87 and 91. Uh, if you want to watch him, if you want to relive him, I don't think he's got the uh, the camera of uh, of Ted Turner and Jane walking towards you. Though. I don't think any security camera footage. No, came through. no, back then, no, no security for Jane and Ted. <laughs> yeah, at least uh, during an empty building. Right. Uh, so, you know, we just as I mentioned before, it's been 15 years that you've been the Admirals team president. Uh, one of the things you do every year that probably most people don't realize is. Uh, and I often tag along because you're kind enough to invite me. Uh, are to American Hockey League All Star Games. Uh, so I asked you before, you know, what what do you remember from these All Star Games? What are your some of your favorite moments? Because uh, I've got a few favorite ones as well. So uh, I'll let you go first since you're the boss. Uh, well, I think you know one of my first ones. It might have been the first one. Winnipeg was our first one. Uh, 
um, might have been the famous uh, the ninjas. Val- yes, we we <laughs> got into into Winnipeg and we're in this shuttle being driven by the assistant equipment manager for the Manitoba Moose. Yeah, uh, he's taking us from the hotel or it's from the airport to the hotel, and he's basically telling us about Winnipeg because none of us had been there before. It's right. like, oh, this area is this, this area is this. And he said, don't go over there. And so we're like, okay, well, what's over there? Right. Well, there was a machete fight. And, I, <laughs> and we're all like, there was a what? <laughs> he said, yeah, some people were getting, you know, they were kind of going all ninja and had a machete fight over there. Like, okay, well, we'll avoid going over there then. <laughs> you know, and just walking through the tunnels from the hotel to the arena um, was an interesting experience. You know, you kind of came across some interesting folks on the, on the walk. And um, I think, uh, uh, you know, Winnipeg was a lot of fun. It was, it wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be. As no, I- but I did learn, that was where I learned that in very cold climates, they don't use salt to, uh, to, to treat the streets because the salt doesn't work when it gets, you know, at whatever temperature they use sand to, uh, to make sure they probably use salt at some points, but if the temperature is below a certain level, they don't use it because it doesn't work anymore. Right. Yeah. It's the things you learn when you, the things you learn. Absolutely. When you go to American hockey league, all-star games, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but we've been all over. I mean, we've been to, um, you know, Winnipeg, Toronto. We, the, I think my favorite all-star game was the trip to St. John's. Uh, yeah in uh, Newfoundland. Yep. I don't, I mean, when else were we going to go to Newfoundland? Right. Not. Yeah. So um, I think what I was shocked by was just the sheer distance that it took to get there. It was a long way away. Oh yeah. Milwaukee to St. John's Newfoundland. Um, You know, and just, uh, you know, the, the friendliness of those people in that community, uh, very Irish, uh, you, it was much more like being in Ireland than it yes. was being in Canada. Yes. Well, they say that uh, 70% of that uh, country is Irish. And that's the first place that Ir- the Irish came when they emigrated from Ireland uh, to North America was they would come to Newfoundland. So uh, it was an educational trip that way as well. And uh, my brother tagged along on that trip. And uh, he, uh, while we were in some meetings during the day, he decided to go sightseeing. And um, because why wouldn't you in the middle of winter in Newfoundland? Absolutely. He he walked up to Telegraph Hill, uh, which is where the first, uh, uh, I believe, cross-Atlantic telegraph. Transatlantic, yep, for sure. uh, There's a, a, I pardon for, I I hate to interrupt you, but there's a great book. Eric Larson, no relation, is a a wonderful author who, He's a, he's a history writer and he just came out, he has a new book called The Splendid and the Vile, but he had a book and I wish I could remember the name, but about, uh, about the first transatlantic uh, telegraph message and uh, a, a murder that happened in London and how the two sort of uh, commingled. Anyways, I highly recommend it. I think it's called Thunderstruck. But anyways, you can look up Eric Larson books on Amazon. That's what, that's what the so group that's is. where the uh, ACDC song came from. Uh, I believe so. Yes. 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 So yeah, my brother was out uh, uh, went sightseeing, and uh, basically a guy from the town said, "Yeah, I'll show you around." So you know, 
seemed friendly enough. It wasn't like they were in, you know, the middle of the Bronx or something like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he went along with a guy named Doug Sunquist, who's the insurance agent for the uh, for the league, and they went looking around and they climbed up Telegraph Hill and went all the way up there. And my brother took some remarkable photography. Yeah, which. He said he took in color, but all the pictures came back on his phone in black and white, which I was like, what do you think you are, Ansel Adams? I mean, it was, <laughs> it, was, it was really spectacular photography. The only problem was, was that my brother didn't have the proper footwear. And so he's trudging around in the snow and the ice and everything else in a pair of uh, penny loafers. Yes. <laughs> and uh, he comes back at the end of the, this journey and he, his feet are purple. And I mean, we literally like had to like run a warm bath and he had to sit there with his feet in the water. And it was actually a little touch and go there for a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, he had quite the trip that he still talks about to this day. And, you know, you went there and you, you walked into the bars and you had to, uh, you had to kiss the fish and you had to, you know, have cod tongue for a, as an appetite. <laughs> and um, you walked out to the bars. The bars there were open till like four in the morning. Right walked out of there and there was a place selling pizza and uh oh this is my fifth this is one of my favorite all-star game stories for sure uh you know place selling pizza out there on the street and uh went out there and you, at, at the time you're there you probably have had a, a few too many um and so you walk up there and the lady who was selling the pizza had no sense of humor uh, uh yes uh, Kristen, uh, your brother whose name is chris she yeah. did not appreciate his uh, sense of humor at two thirty in the morning. Yes, so he got a piece of street pizza. Uh, I think we all did. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're walking down the street, and Chris loses his balance. And it, it was icy. It was icy. He loses. Yes, it wasn't from drunkenness. It actually slipped from from the uh, ice on the ground, and he slips, and the pizza flies up in the air and lands on the ground on the ice, though. Yes. Yeah. So it was nicely chilled. Yes. Picked it up and still ate it. So it was. If I'm not mistaken, he had to crawl to get it because it was too slippery to stand back up. Yes. Yes. So that was a, that was a memorable trip for sure. Newfoundland was great. If I, I guess if I could recommend, if you ever have a place to go uh, and you want to go someplace truly unique. Newfoundland. Newfoundland. It was really cool. The people are great. So. People are fantastic, and it's a half hour. It's two and a half hours, Yes. Uh, uh, which I didn't believe. When I first started with the Admirals, a guy who had worked here, a guy named Dick Langley, had, had told me, oh, it's two and a half hours ahead of us because we were going to play there, and I didn't believe him. I called the front office of the St. John Maple Leafs to, to ask them, I'm sorry, this is a very strange question, but what time is it right there, there right now? And they're like, oh, it's, you know, 1230. I was like, oh, Dick was right. So... Yeah. Uh, but that messed me up. Going there, I, I was so screwed up from that time change. It, I bet it took me a week to get back on uh, on track. Because when you leave, because the weather is so unstable out there, you never know when a, a giant storm could come. We had to leave at 5 in the morning, and the airport was just packed. Just completely bonkers at 5 in the morning because everyone's flying out. Because if you you could you could be there... And if, if, a, if a squall, or I don't know if that's the right word, but I'll use it because I've listened to plenty of weather or forecasts. If a squall comes through, you might not be getting out for three days. Yeah, and yeah. that wouldn't be good. Right, for sure. And uh, um, 
you know, it was just, it was a really neat trip to be able to go there. You know, going back to that first all-star game in Winnipeg though, that was, you know, my first season, um, we're at a reception after the game is over. And, uh, I still remember opening night of that season being in Grand Rapids yeah. and Yuri Hoodler, um, uh, you know, scored to, beat, scored to beat us late in the game. And I think uh, it a hat trick. Yeah. And, uh, so we're, we're in the, uh, reception and I, we were talking to Pekka Rene, I, I think, yeah. and, um, then all of a sudden I thought I was talking to Yuri Hoodler. Nope. Yes. I told him that I said, why, you know, I introduced myself. I said, yeah, you really killed me. I don't think my first game was, you really killed me. Except that I was talking to Valtteri Filpula. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that has become a running joke uh, ever since, but uh, yes, at my Yuri Hoodler and my Valtteri Filpula confused. Confused. Yeah. Well, they look alike uh, actually quite a bit alike. Yeah. But we've been uh, coast to coast. I mean, we've been all over the place. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask, well, what, when will we have an all-star game here? Um, certainly it's on our radar. Uh, you know, we need to uh, do a lot of things uh, to get ready for that. And we had talked about having one, I think, uh, a few years ago. We were actually toying with having the one that would have been here in January. Coming year, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but then the, the Democratic National Convention was coming, and it was just going to be too much of a stress on all the resources with the city that we were going to need. Um, so and for planning and getting ready for it. So we, we deferred and I'm glad we deferred because it's been canceled. Right. Right. It was supposed to be in Laval, which would have yes. been a, a fantastic place to go up into, uh, into Quebec and uh, Montreal. Uh, but I assume that they will get one, uh, at some point, but we will, the admirals will, uh, intend to pursue an all-star game yes. uh, at some point. We do because we know that, um, the city would support it and um, it would be a lot of fun to be able to put it on and, and showcase Milwaukee for uh, this, you know, everywhere around the country watching it. So the, the game is shown uh, throughout the United States and through Canada as well as internationally. So it's a great opportunity to, to really sh- you know, show people what Milwaukee is all about and uh, what uh, we're capable of doing and let our fans uh, really experience what uh, all those f- festivities are about. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, they, they, we're not playing games at this point and we don't have any specific timetable to play games, but it doesn't mean that business is, has, has completely dried up and that we're sitting around, uh, you know, twiddling our thumbs, spitting through our teeth, thinking we're cool. Uh, let's give, give fans an idea of what else is, what do we have going on and, uh, uh, and how they can, you know, how they can reach, uh, people in the office. Sure. Absolutely. Well, we are, uh, working in teams uh, here, we have uh, uh, two different uh, work teams. There's Team Milwaukee and there's Team Admirals. Basically, it's taking our uh, our team and splitting it in half. Uh, so each day, half of our staff is in the office. The other half works virtually from home. And so if there's ever anything you need, we're open from 10 to 4. Uh, just give us a call uh, in the offices, and we're happy to help you uh, with whatever you need. Um you know, we are still selling season ticket plans, uh, you know, whether they're flex plans or half seasons or full seasons. And I am really, really happy with the fact that we do continue to sell season tickets. People are staying on board and our renewal for this year continues to be at a very high rate. So people are, have been very loyal. And for that, we're very grateful. Uh, and know. obviously if you buy season tickets now, 
and you know we don't play well, however you know we don't play 38 games like we normally would we play you know however many we do we're not just pocketing that money and going having a party no it, it uh, can be put towards your your tickets for 21 22 so it gets you off a great head start uh, for the next season and for those who are have paid in full you know if we don't play at all which we hope is not the case um you know, there'll be a different options available to you. And one of them will be to be paid in full for next year. You're done. Right. Just let it ride. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, season tickets are, are certainly still being sold. Merchandise is being sold. Uh, that's been a steady uh, thing all throughout this last seven months uh, is that Admiral's merchandise is being sold throughout the country and people are, uh, uh, going on to milwaukeeadmirals.com and they're clicking on the store and finding different uh, things that they want to buy. And Sarah Schumar, our unbelievable uh, director of merchandise, she does a great job in, in keeping things looking fresh. And uh, we had the garage sale uh, back at the end of January and or, I'm sorry, at the end of uh, September. And uh, uh, that was, I believe that was actually one month ago as we're recording this one month ago today. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. And, it was successful. I mean, our numbers were up over the previous year. Uh, everything that didn't get sold or a good portion of everything that didn't get sold was uh, put out there on our store. So people can go on and, and, and see it there. So if you weren't in the area or you couldn't come that day, um, you know, go to MilwaukeeAdmirals.com and click on that store and you'll find all kinds of great stuff to buy. So uh, we do have uh, uh, Black Friday plans. Um, which will not be on Black Friday. I will. I will tell you that we're going to do it a little bit before that. This is a, a sneak preview. Sneak Ooh, preview. To so, podcast listeners. <laughs> so we will have uh, we'll have a sale uh, in the arena um, earlier than Black Friday. So stay tuned for that. And then uh, you know we've had this bobblehead uh, uh, deal that has been out there since uh, September uh, is coming to a close here over the next uh, week or so with the election. Uh, so you can buy a Donald Trump or Joe Biden bobblehead and get a ticket to a game in 2021 uh, for $20 and 20 cents. And, uh, uh, you know, that's continued to go very well. Uh, the bobbleheads are here. And so if you buy it, you'll get it right away. And uh, if you want it shipped, there's an option for that as well. So, uh, you know, we've got a lot going on. We've got a lot planned for November. Uh, United Way, uh, we've normally had a game for the United Way. Uh, each year and this year obviously we won't have any games in November so what we're going to do is have an online auction to help benefit the United Way and uh, we're working on some items that we'll put out there uh, for that auction it'll be one that'll take you know three or four days you'll have opportunities to bid um, so I don't know if Charlie you've got anything you want to maybe share that we might be putting out there yeah I mean we'll do, we're going to have some pretty cool autograph stuff uh, we have uh uh, a team from uh, uh, right before we were shut down, uh, we did the uh, Dine with the Admirals event. And so we have some Dine with the Admirals shirts that are autographed by Daniel Carr and Colin Blackwell because those guys weren't here. So we've got those that we're going to be auctioning off as well as a Dine with the Admirals t-shirt that's signed by the whole team. Uh, we've got some autographed signage from uh, Darren Hadar from his night uh, as well as uh, uh, the, who was the country performer that we had? Uh, Russell Dickerson. Russell Dickerson. Russell Dickerson. We have some things that uh, he signed that we'll be auctioning off. And this is obviously going to a charity. 
um, as well. And uh, we'll have, definitely have some jerseys uh, up. Uh, and uh, I, I think some other pretty unique stuff that we don't, that you don't normally see. So I, I'm excited to, to do that. And, uh, and to, it's for a good cause, obviously. Absolutely. I uh, want to support the United Way and all the great work that they do in our community. And I'm uh, proud to represent the Admirals on the, the uh, sports marketing cabinet for United Way. So uh, we'll, we'll certainly be doing that. And uh, we'll be doing something for Hockey Fights Cancer. More details to come about that. That'll be coming up in November. Um, and then going out, uh, I believe today, uh, we'll have uh, warm-up winter uh, information. That's a program we've supported uh, through our great relationship with Traction Factory, a great partner of ours. Um, Warm Up Winter supports the Milwaukee Fire Department's coats program for kids. And uh, we've been involved with that for the last uh, couple of years. And we have special t-shirts that are made up for Warm Up Winter that have uh, a fun image of Roscoe on the front. And you can go on the MilwaukeeAdmirals.com and click on the store right now uh, and you know buy one of these cool t-shirts of which uh, a portion of the proceeds is going to benefit uh, warm up winter. So we hope that uh, all these things we're doing, you know, we're still trying to, you know, stay out there in the community. So important to us. Uh, and November will be an important month for that. Absolutely. I think that's a, a marvelous way to finish. Awesome. Well, thank you, Charlie. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, John Greenberg, Admiral's president for joining us. Uh, no truth to the uh, rumor that is already flying that you've demanded to be the first person to be on the podcast for the third time. Um, but, yes, uh, I'd like to be on next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. If you've got any more Ted Turner stories, we'll take them. <laughs> well, thanks, so, Yeah, no problem. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to a Milwaukee Admirals podcast.